0: You've tuned in to the Bellingham Podcast for the week of March 22nd, 2021. This is episode 184. From that ooh, spring is springing, City by the Sailor Sea, I'm AJ Barsay.
1: And straight out of 98226, I am Chris Powell. On this episode, AJ and I are talking about a c- cancel culture. No, no, not cancel culture. That's been talked to death. We got a different kind of culture we're going to talk about, the collection culture. The past, present, and future of acquiring things, both analog and digital. Won't you join us in this conversation? Add this to your podcast feed. Collect collect them all. <laughs> this, dear friends and neighbors, is the Bellingham Podcast.
0: Gotta catch them all. Gotta catch them all, Chris. How you doing?
1: <laughs> I'm doing just fine, AJ. It's wonderful to be... Uh, Indoors at a distance still uh, recording with a a beautiful little bit of sunshine out there. Uh, It's nice to see the earth tilting on its axis in the northern northern hemisphere towards the sun gradually. How are you doing?
0: I'm soaking in the vitamin D uh, as much as I can and uh, looking forward to this episode, dude. This is going to be a two-parter.
1: Yes, uh, because there's a lot to discuss as far as uh, the world of collecting and all that is involved—a little bit of you know past, present, and future about what's going on. Uh, the impetus for this episode was talking about uh, a three-lettered uh, anagram that I'm still <laughs> thinking of, like "no funds transferred" NFTs, or yeah. "not." Uh, I want to keep the show clean. Still, Ooh, uh, yes, yeah, some let's let, NFT. Yeah, we'll talk about that more later on. But uh, this is a new kind of thing that people have been seeing headlines about digital uh stuff that you can pay money for oh yes but let's go back let's take let's take the podcast DeLorean back a ways and talk about the history of collecting as a hobby
0: yeah so hopping into the uh, podcast TARDIS the so to set this up we have to understand where collecting and collection comes from And realistically speaking, uh, of course, our normal disclosure at the top of the show. Chris Powell and I are not historians, nor do we play one on podcasts. But if we were,
1: we'd be able to go back in time and recall all those wonderful events better than most of y'all out there.
0: So so coming back from the void here, um, what we're going to prime this with is the concept of human history and how we kind of got this notion of collecting, because relatively speaking... Outside of uh, a naturalistic instinct to collect food or to collect water and sustenance, to outside of the, the the primitive things, we in civilized culture really the first collection was knowledge. Back in the day, um, we can point all the way back to maybe the the Library of Alexandria um, as. The columnation and collecting of human knowledge, the most valuable thing, the most limited editions as it were or special editions of the time
1: it's collector's time collector's it, editions yes
0: where where you had a book one of one that was only one printing, you know right and and this was you know the that was the essence of collecting where we had people of scholarship. Um and yes, there was the influences of the day. Kings and and monarchs were collecting gold for you know the, the sake of 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 monetary investment. We'll we'll get into that later in a, in a more contemporary thing. But really, if we look at it uh, outside of the royals and elites, you know you've got the the Egyptians collecting books over time, and then we get it built into the Library of Alexandria. If uh, for my my Assassin's Creed lovers out there, the Medici family, us uh, Italians of descent, you know, may remember during, uh, the Renaissance Florence where, uh, of course they were, they were collecting private patronage. Um, and this is by way that we got artists being free for the first time to be able to do what they wanted to create. Now, granted that was also for the Kings and churches of, of the time, but, um, this, this, uh, notion of, um, citizenship through art, private art collecting, uh, we still see today, right? So we have people who are connoisseurs of private arts, um, more contemporarily like you might have uh, might have heard of the the artist Banksy who's kind of anti of this culture Mm -hmm. Um, a street artist by a disruptor he is a disruptor I mean uh, he did a a, a, dare I say a stage craft performance for a um, auction recently where there was a work of art of Banksy and upon it being sold for millions there was in the frame a grinder that took the work ground it down to nothing basically it just it would destroy the work which kind of shows this culture of what are you collecting and that's really the primer for this yep kind of fast forwarding from like I don't know the third you know third millennium BCE of like you know uh Alexandria forward we get the first public museum and museums are a a, a fork as it were no we're not ending the show yet Chris Calm <laughs> but down. that's a good one um,
1: <laughs> I'll refer to that one in a little while
0: <laughs> museums right so you have these people um whether that be monarchs or individuals um who create and collect and curate these things well, what good is it if you can't share this knowledge? Because again, that's where the essence of collecting came from, is this knowledge and growth. So the, and I, uh, forgive me for, to our mates across the pond if I was going to slaughter this, in Oxford, we, there's the Ashmaline uh, Public Museum, which is attributed as the first public museum in the world. So from this, we get to community, because a collection is only really as good as a community that can be shared with, right? So you have all of this collected works, for one individual to have this and never see the light of day, what, what good is that? What That individual gains growth from it, gains uh, pleasure from it. But really, if you have this wealth of knowledge, like the Library of Alexandria, for it to just go up in flames, sorry, historians, I know that might be a touchy uh, trigger word for you, but for it to go up in flames, is kind of a travesty.
1: Yeah, it's, it harkens back to uh, a lesson I learned uh, way back where you have a certain kind of talent, And if you keep that talent to yourself, it doesn't really do much for the world. But if you share that talent, uh, it can grow in ways you're not aware of. Um, And it's also a shared experience for others to gather in a community locale, pre-COVID, of course. Of course. uh, And to uh, take a look at a work of art or a reading or of something, a sculpture, an item, and to discuss it. And to debate it, mm. and to uh, learn more about it, and to enhance its value in you. Uh, for that, that's where the museums really took flight. In some cases,
0: you also get derivative works. You also get it, the 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 body of work, whatever that collection curation is. Obviously, there is there's this argument: there is no new originality. It's always a derivative work. Well, how can you get that um, that primer, that original? Uh, the Mona Lisa, right? Like if you have not gone to study that work or whatever, whether that be a Michelangelo or, or or the martial arts, whatever you like, you have to go to the original works or the body of works to be able to understand and carry forward whatever that art, I'm using that word loosely here, folks, that art is. Well, martial art or ink
1: art or, uh, you know, the other types of art as far as like clay art or whatever have you. there's many different kinds of arts
0: instead of saying a widget i'm just saying a work of art because i mean whatever you're collecting whether that be a comic book or a toy or um i don't know a musket from the revolutionary war here in the united states i'm using the the term art loosely for all of those works of art um, in a collection so we get the etymology okay collecting what is collecting well Okay, Google, what is collecting? (laughs)
1: Don't do that, man. All these phones just went off right now.
0: Hey, Alexa. Okay, Uh, The
1: the hobby of collecting includes seeking and locating and acquiring and organizing, cataloging, displaying. Can you tell that I'm making this up on my own? No, we're citing it from a reference. Storing and maintaining items that are of interest to an individual person known as a collector. Uh, These differ in a wide variety uh, of manners, obviously, Uh, based on what one is containing but as far as its purpose which we're going to talk about in a little bit as far as the purpose of collecting as a hobby or as a passion or as a mission uh, and, and its presentation. Uh, in which we'll talk about in some ways. So buckle up for some uh, self-checks right there. Uh, it's, it's, there's so many different types of collections. I'm paraphrasing now, uh, going off script from what our show notes have. Um, but there's just a vast number of Opportunities. It doesn't have to be what AJ and I are going to talk about because we're just two knuckleheads that had our own experience in collections that we'll talk about in a little bit. Some are a lot more popular than others, Mm -hmm. as evidenced by some of the headlines you might be seeing about that three-lettered acronym or some other types of terms that really weren't present in oh, let's just say two thousand eight. Right. So you know, it's the etymology, the the definition of collecting. It's acquiring things, knowledge things material experiences memories let's go for it
0: yep so i'm going to take that uh take that and we'll do a little bit of a tangent so you use the word hobby and this was something that was interesting when i was looking into the the word collecting that definition so collecting and hobby they go hand in hand and i'm going to throw this out just because i thought it's kind of funny we all have to kind of get off of our collecting high horse Hmm. collecting and hobby the word hobby in the 16th century hobbyen, h-o-b-y-n uh, had a meeting of a small horse or pony. And the term hobby horse was first documented in around like 1556, a payment confirmation for a hobby horse from the uh, from Reading, England, submates across the pond. The item originally called a tourney horse was made of a wooden basket, work frame, an artificial tail and head. So like those little, you know, a kid's toy type thing, right? It was originally designed for children to mimic real writing. And then in like 1816... Fast we, forward
1: to about two centuries.
0: Right. We get this derivative hobby was introduced. Um, and I, I'm paraphrasing here because I'm guessing nostalgia of that that hobby horse, right? So a hobby horse, you're a kid, you're having fun. And so um, hobby and hobby horse, hobby... Is that derivative of like leisure and collecting and and of better times, which we will also talk about later. So again, what's interesting is that collecting and hobby, the ho- so the hobby is collecting. Collecting is a hobby.
1: Yeah, you got it. I lost you on that one. Collecting <laughs> is there is no spoon. Uh, hobby. <laughs>
0: there is the no spoon. Thanks, Leo. <laughs> Hobby
1: is not collecting, but collecting can be a hobby. Yes. Hobby is an act. Yes collecting could be an act too. I'm trying to like get this settled in my mind. No,
0: I was too. And that's why that's what's interesting is these two words go hand in hand and they come from different, just from a a word standpoint and from a cultural standpoint, they come from different roots as well, which is the reason why I just was throwing it in. Again, we are not literary literary, um, uh, professionals. If we were,
1: we'd be (laughs) taking up more time slots on KMRE 102.3 FM. You
0: can collect us on Saturday mornings and on KMRE.org.
1: That's right. Exactly. Exactly. They're, they're kind enough to play our episodes on uh, 3 p.m. in the afternoon on the weekends. We collect uh, presets on our FM dial and, and, uh, and our radio uh, devices and things like that. Anyway, uh, thanks KMRE for hosting our show.
0: Thank you KMRE for collecting our show. That's right. So okay, so now that we've kind of got a good of pre funk, we've got we've got the history, we've got the etymology of collecting and hobbying. Um, let's talk about kind of the more contemporary and. This is, uh, in collector culture, there's this this thing, this, this dare I say, um, token phrase that gets thrown about called the collector's gene, where a lot of people just gravitate towards collecting by, quote, nature. And uh, whether that be like as a kid, right, you collected bottle caps back in the day or whatever. And so um, you and I chatted off the mic and I kind of derived these kind of subsects of what creates a collect, that collector's gene. And... I'm going to really harp on a, more of these uh, a little bit later because we kind of see it being fostered for good and for bad when we look at social media. Yeah. It plays, again, we have algorithms and companies that play on this uh, characteristic or trait that, that some of us may have or had fostered since a young age. And we just are blind to it.
1: We had initially talked about uh, one of the darker sides of collecting uh, as I've referred to it as GAS, Gear, Gear Acquisition, Acquisition Syndrome, Syndrome. yeah. Uh, collectors gene, uh, you know, some are naughty by nature and yeah. some are collectors by nature. And this is a way that, you know, it has it for good and for bad. Let's talk about some of the good ways uh, one might want to uh, do some
0: collecting, acquisi- acquiring and other things. So so when we when we first look at it let's look at functionality first mm-hmm. okay so you may you may collect based off of the sheer functionality of something gear let's take that one as an example right so if you're a, a musician obviously there is certain gear that you will want to have to do said uh gig right or if you are a homeowner there's some tools you're going to have to keep your house up if, you know from not flooding in or which whatever. some
1: people might say, who aren't the collectors of these type of tools, why do you need three different types of flat blade screwdrivers? Well, all of the fixers out there would say, well, you know, person. Chris. Yeah, it's because one is a small that I can do for these jobs and one is another one for these jobs. Um, the, same, the same principle for tools and gear could also be described uh, for those who may be aficionados of the shoes. Sneaker culture, Yeah, it's not, it's not just for the, the high heels, Or the pumps or anything. If you find a pair of shoes that work, Mm -hmm. you can get a whole lot of different colors to match your outfits. As opposed to one pair of shoes to rule them all. Those tools and that gear allow you to have better functionality with uh, your life or your pursuits uh, professionally or personally.
0: And this will kind of help with those that like were, were struggling with my hobby versus collecting analogy. So for instance, in the Pacific Northwest, there is a functionality to the gear of backpacking. Yes, Because your hobby may be that you go out and you like to do a fair bit of trekking, like Captain Get Out Here. Now, the hobby is you go out and you go do a fair bit of trekking. And then there's the collecting. You collect the the life straw, the backpack, the, the lightweight tents and st- and that's where the dark side comes in. If you are so acqu- so into the acquiring of the gear to the point where you have so much gear, more gear, more time spent in the gear than in the outdoors, that's where the dark side of collecting comes in, which kind of goes into the second part of this whole FOMO culture. I mean, Chris and I have talked about this a nausea fear on show. of
1: missing out for the kids uh, you know, how the kids describe it.
0: Right. You've got this if you're if you feel like you're doing a hobby and you're collecting in that hobby and all of a sudden you feel this twang where you make a purchase and then you, you you're really struggling about it, but you're like, "Ah, whatever, I, I gotta have it. And then you do that on a Friday. and then come Monday morning, you have this almost almost hangover of like, oh my gosh, what have I done? You know, that is perhaps something playing on your fear of missing out. And hopefully you can undo that purchase. On the flip side of this, we also see this hoarding fear, which I'm coining it FOBWA. I don't know. FOBWA. FOBWA. F O B W, fear of being without. And we see this also. Um, I'm, I'm not trying to, to, to point out anybody in, in, our, in our listener sphere, but like I see this typically a lot in, in older generations where they bought something and they held on to it because they and they did use it back in the day, but they held on to it for decades later. We might need it someday because I might need it again. Yeah. As opposed to either selling it or uh, you know donating it, giving it to somebody else, and then reacquiring it later in life. And then also allowing themselves to upgrade. Yep. You know, because you know that let's say a saw, a saw is a saw is a saw. Well, you may have a saw from 1918.
1: <laughs> yes. That
0: was great for your great great grandfather, but you know, try to find parts or, you know, repair that engine if it even has an electric engine, maybe it's steam powered.
1: I would say that that 1918 saw is a nice segue from going from functionality for a tool to nostalgia. Right. In which you are acquiring something, collecting something based on its historical value or the emotional Connection you might have with that. This is my grandpappy's saw. Right. He built. He used this to build the first home that my family had back in 1906. That is uh, something that one would keep. And to try to acquire uh, like kinds, maybe on the bay yeah. or other online type things, or even uh, rummage sales or uh, flea markets, to try to have multiple versions of that because it invokes that wonderful feeling of emotional uh connection that we got to the past
0: right even though grandpappy's hobby was World War King sure you know like so like again that's where this this notion tiktok as uh-huh. it were yes of collecting and hobby they go together but are in different ways like you're, you're the the hobby isn't really the addiction the collecting is
1: yeah i can see that
0: so nostalgia, of, uh, this is a, a subsect of, of nostalgia can also be memorabilia, right? So for instance, and this is interesting because um, I, I've never been a, a sports nut. Uh, it's just not in my ethos. You know, for those that are sports aficionados, memorabilia is another uh, word that gets thrown in the collecting and hobby sphere. It tends to kick in right around nostalgia and also scholarship, which we'll get to in a second. And Nostalgia is defined as, quote, object kept or collected because of their historical interest, especially those associated with memorable people or events.
1: This is a, this is a good instance. It was for being someone who was a sports fan for many years before the chest thumping brigade tend to take over uh, a lot of professional sports, to have an autographed jersey mm-hmm. of your favorite football star, to have an autographed baseball. Back in the day, one of my prized possessions was an autographed baseball by Reggie Jackson. Now, Reggie Jackson, for those of you uh, who aren't aware, he he was a a baseball player in the 70s and 80s with the New York Yankees. Very popular, very talented. His nickname was Mr. October because those darn Yankees uh, made it to the World Series on numerous occasions and also previously the Oakland Athletics in the early 70s. Golly, I'm old. But (laughs) um, fun fact, Reggie Jackson in the off season of baseball worked with my father at a, uh, automobile dealership in the Bay area where I was a youngster. And there was one time during the summer where I went with my dad to work and Reggie was there. And my dad was able to introduce me to Reggie Jackson, uh, who was uh, selling cars. He was a big car nut, similar to Jay Leno for the modern fans, but he worked at this uh, dealership and I peeked in one time. My dad warned me, don't, get in trouble, uh, you know, but he was filming a commercial for broadcast TV, uh, for that. But he, uh, I got to meet him. I got the autographed baseball and that stood proudly on my room's shelf, right. uh, for all to be, because that made me feel good. I had a connection cause I met the guy Yeah, and, uh, that is nostalgia memorabilia. And perhaps if we wanted to, uh, talking about, uh, the investment of a, of a, uh, a collecting item.
0: Right, so in the investment creeps into hobby and collecting a lot. And this is where I kind of fork the concept of collecting. Here
1: it is Be- again. Not, no, no, not, no, not no, yet, no, not yet, folks. We're still going.
0: We're still, we still got like ten more minutes. So, like, so with collecting, you have people who collect for themselves. Like that story, by the way, Chris Powell did not tell me that story. That's not in our show notes. Awesome story. Thank you very much. So again, you got that because of a of, uh, of a personal story and uh, the just timing. And do you still have that ball?
1: No, unfortunately, that got lost in the shuffle of life occurrences when I'm transitioning from uh, high living at home to college to my own place. Uh, It it went somewhere else.
0: But the importance is like you don't. I'm glad that you don't because it feeds in well. You you have the memory, like Mm -hmm. the, the the ball itself. Like a lot of people get so hung up on the fact that when they collect something, the physical item is the memory, as opposed to the memory leading up to the item and an investment that kind of goes that investment contradicts that to its core because you're acquiring something that you may not have a tangible connection to you're doing it just for speculation yeah
1: and that speculation can also have that dark side exactly (sighs) (sighs) i bought this for you luke you, you can sell it on eBay to someone for a lot of money. Actually, you are not my hobby. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. Uh no, some some family or friends uh you would would have something that they aren't familiar with the resale world as as AJ and I have talked about on numerous episodes of the Bellingham podcast. And so like, hey, we found this at a, a garage sale or we acquired this, uh you know, could you use this and maybe sell it in but the thing is, you would make a certain amount of money, profit, maybe, yeah. on the sale of that, which gets eaten up in shipping and those eBay fees to list the item. So there's a lot more to it. But uh, you know, Warren Buffett often was very shrewd in the companies he would invest in. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to put him in past tense. He's, you know, he's still there uh, as an awesome stock investor. But he would have a, a huge amount of shrewdness in picking off someone as opposed to. A wide variety of criteria, as opposed to, oh, they're the current doll of the stock market right now. Sure. Hi, GameStop, and and the, he would be very <laughs> uh, cautious in making these uh, prudent investments that often had great return on investment. For that, anyway.
0: Yeah. Which again, we, uh, Chris Powell and AJ Barce are not fiduciaries, nor do we play one on podcasts.
1: I wish I would because I'd have a heck of a lot more money to be able to collect. I, don't, I like collecting the Benjamins, you know. No, I'm am just kidding. Uh, anyway, you know, we're not financial dudes, but Warren Buffett is, yeah. and he's a stud at it. <laughs> if love, you say so. <laughs> well, yeah, if Warren is Buffett. He old? He's, dude. He, he's one of our elder statesmen in this <laughs> society. Yes. Uh, Mr. Buffett, if you're listening to this, and we you have an open invitation to join us <laughs> yes. on the Bellingham podcast.
0: If Warren Buffett <laughs> listens to our show, yeah, you can come up on our, on our show.
1: And I'd be collecting shocked faces if that would yeah. be the case. All right, let's move on.
0: <laughs> so the last two on, on this breakdown of the collector's gene, um, we tagged on it of scholarship. I'm also going to flip on this because we talked to, off the mic of also skill. So scholarship within the items of collecting things, but s- collecting skills, um, whether that be for self-improvement um, on your own time or own uh, or own dime, if you're doing um, like online courses for certificates, um, like Credly or whatever mm-hmm. or whatnot, I would even go as so far as just personal uh, personal development is um, collecting skills. This is how like art of manliness got really created. Yep. You know, to foster a community of people of like mind who wanted to develop themselves in skills that maybe have been falling by the wayside in society.
1: AJ, you are so, uh, you know, polishing this thing. It's for lunkhead guys to try to improve (laughs) themselves. Look, I used to be a lunkhead guy and I did a whole lot of collecting of recipes because eventually I realized in my dumb Neanderthal mind I might have to cook dinner for a lovely lady someday. Uh, This is pre-wife. And so I would collect the knowledge on how to not burn A chicken. Water. Uh, (laughs) When I boiled it, come on. Uh, And so these skills, how do I set a table with the appropriate utensils? How do, oh, uh, not not, with forks and knives and spoons, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, But anyway, you get these skills that are not just for your professional micro-credentials to make yourself worthy of a higher paycheck. You also may need to be able to learn, oh, I never learned how to change a diaper. I get to acquire this skill really quick. I collected all these skills as a dad. Now, you know, for a lot of dads out there, yes, I never had that opportunity because I was a blended family and the sure. uh, daughter was seven when I jumped in. That's a different story. Already explained in a different, different podcast. But those skills... Are the investment in yourself, and we are worth it to take that time. Yeah. Whether speculative invest uh, collecting versus skill invest uh, collecting. Yeah. I don't know uh, why Investing, they're... investing. Yeah. So
0: like again, dovetailing back to the the, the last point, which is investment, uh, skillership and skill and investment kind of go hand in hand. Depending on how you define it, is how we're we're going for. To
1: it. meet someone who has a uh, extensive skill set of abilities is much more impressive to me than someone who has a wall full of pictures of them with celebrities. Sure. That's
0: just saying, moving on. The last one is time and place because there are people who collect, and again, there's a dark side to this as well, but um, this was something that I remember even from my youth where I have I have a, a great auntie who um, used to travel by, by RVing, caravanning, right, across the United States. And I remember distinctly as a kid when she would come visit, Um, on the side of the RV was a vinyl map of the United States and each of the states had a different color for when, um, uh, auntie and uncle would go to those states. And I just remember, I remember that. And at an early age, I thought that was the coolest thing because I wanted to be well traveled and stuff. And I, I traveled quite a bit as a kid on, on the left side of the United States. But it was just interesting because from her, I remember, like, it wasn't as much getting the sticker on the RV. It was more about, oh, yeah, I went to this great diner that nobody ever talked about. And that's where I, I kind of got that part of my, my personality was from my great aunt. Mm-hmm. Um, and her, when she would tell me those, those stories as a kid. Those stories are important. If they turn the dark
1: side of that, can turn into the humble brag. Yeah. In which you are collecting the shot glasses from Prague. <laughs> that you're collecting the uh, the Asian motif that you picked up uh, in the far east or something like that uh, we want to be careful that uh, we don't want to collect things in a, in a futile attempt to garner admiration for, from friends or acquaintances for how exciting and adventurous a life we've had yeah hi Instagram hi Instagram uh, so
0: hashtag van life
1: exactly so uh, I got one thing hang on one second I'm going over here
0: okay. Chris is actually moving about. Oh, he yeah. came close to breaking the 6-foot distance, oh, no, but no, 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 we are. We're well. still social distance. I'm going into something. I got a fork. <laughs>
1: it's in, I collect forks of utensils in my in my utensil
0: drawer. Let's take a fork in this show for part one. <laughs> that was a very dynamic ending to this episode of the Bellingham podcast. Thank you again so much for listening to us, rating us, reviewing us wherever you like to get our podcast. Remember, if you're in the Bellingham area, you might be listening to us on KMRE 102.3 FM.
1: They are community powered with forks, knives, spoons, and all over the internets on KMRE.org, including that dessert fork that you put, I believe at the top of the uh, placemats of all your, your, uh, your place settings.
0: And on that note, thank you for tuning into this first part. I'm AJ Barsay,
1: and I'm your favorite dessert host, Chris Powell. Thanks again for joining us on the Bellingham Podcast. I collect a whole lot of desserts back in the day. Unfortunately, in this current decade, I'm trying to uh, not collect as many pounds as I put on.
0: Yeah, the COVID poundage.